Welcome to Neighborhood Church. To learn more about who we are as a community or to financially support Neighborhood, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. Okay, we're going to jump right in today as I was exam. Well, shoot. Nope, we're not going to jump right in because I'm going to do exactly what I wasn't going to do. And I'm going to explain that I always do like these long intros for whatever reason and like talk about myself and like, oh, we're going to make it short. And I don't do that. And now look, I'm doing it again already. So we're really going to jump in. So we're doing a reimagined series. This is a series that we have done quite a few times. And uh, Chris has been doing it a little bit. And I'm going to be taking on reimagining the way we read the Bible today. We have, and reimagining how to give a message while the music is still playing. You took care of it? I kind of like it. Um, for those of you online, the music was still playing. Nikki has failed twice now. One more time, Nikki. You got one more, one more strike, and you actually have to leave the building. So I'm going to be doing reimagining how to read the Bible. We've done this before, but this is really cool because the whole idea of reimagine, that's kind of like neighbor, that's kind of neighborhood churches. Um, that's what we do. We reimagine here. And as I was thinking about it, I was like, why do we do the same thing over and over? I'm like, oh, yeah, because that's what's been happening to us for the last however many years we've been in church. We've been learning the same thing over and over and over again. So to unlearn, to deconstruct, we do need to go over these things on a regular basis. We do need to reimagine on a regular basis to kind of help us get where we need to go. Also, as we are meeting as a team, I wanted to do, and I think, I think as a team we just kind of agreed that um, hearing the message from somebody else other than Chris would be a positive thing, not because he's terrible at speaking or he's all about himself, but just a different perspective is sometimes fresh. So as I do reimagine on how to read the Bible today, this is mostly going to be my story, the way that I've really learned to reimagine how I read the Bible. A lot of other people share the same way that I've done it, but I'll just have a unique perspective and so what I want you to keep in mind as I talk about this today, this is my story. This is one way that I've learned to do it. There are some really great things that you could take from it. But really, my, my point that I'll not talk about today, but I do want to make beforehand, is reimagining the way that you read the Bible and the way that you interact with God is big time about your journey doing it. The way that you learn how to do this, the way that you can connect to God, the way that you can deconstruct, whether it be years of trauma or just even some misinformation over the last couple of years. Or maybe this is the first church you've ever been to, and there's a lot of narratives that you've heard about Christianity or about church. This journey really is for you to do on your own. And that's why I want to share what I did, so you can maybe learn some stuff from it. So, because I am an analytical thinker, <laughs> I have a background in psychology, and this is the way that I like do my life, Here's the approach that I took. So reimagining the Bible. I have all these years of learning the Bible one way and seeing it one way, whether it just be the way that we do Christianity culturally or the way that I learned in the church that I grew up in. But I have all this bouncing around. Then I learn, hey, maybe this isn't the best way to do it, or I start to feel like this isn't the best way to do it. So where do I start? So... How I did this was I, first of all, for all of us, step one is taking a step back. And what do I mean by that? 
we find ourselves so much digging so deep into the Bible, looking at all the little specifics, all the little nuances of different stories, of different rules. And sometimes, what it actually a lot of the times, what I think we miss is the bigger picture. What is the Bible actually getting at? What is the theme of this? So as I was thinking about this, I started thinking about, hey, the Bible is a book, right? That's what the Bible is. And there's been a lot of books that I've read in my life. So why would the Bible be any different than the Bible has a theme, the Bible has a common goal that it's trying to get to? There is something that the Bible is trying to teach us. And what is that? So I looked at all the stories, I read through most, I've read through most of the Bible, maybe not front to cover, but most of the Bible, done a lot of studying of it. And if I'm going to simplify the Bible, maybe some of you disagree, but if we were to look at the Bible, I think we can come to a general consensus, and this is going to be very broad, but the Bible is a story that is meant to lead us closer to God. It's a story that is in, to inspire us to connect closer to God, to love God, and to love people. That's summed up in the golden rule. Jesus makes that very clear that that is when somebody asks him, what, the, what is the greatest law? It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like it, to love others. So let's start there. Let's just go and, and stick with me today because this is going to be a little broad, but I will pull it all together. So reimagining the Bible. Let's start there. Let's just simplify the Bible saying that, okay, the Bible at its core is trying to get us to love God, connect with God, connect with others, and leave it like that. Pretty simple, okay? So then we can say maybe that is the point of the Bible, but let's take a little bit closer look. The Bible is a collection of books written by many authors over the course of a thousand years or so and is a unified story of the Hebrew people to draw them closer to God. Simplified, it was written to understand God more, inspire us to love God and each other, and to take this and to take care of this world in doing so. As we dive in today, here's what we're going to do. Reimagine the Bible. There's going to be two different way, two different uh, sides that we're going to be looking at. The first side being the narrative that most of us know of the Bible. Um, and if you don't, just stick with us that do. And that narrative is, this is a very, very common narrative among most Christian churches. A lot of churches still hold this today. Or even if you're not Christian, this is your idea of what the Bible is. That the Bible is this holy, inspired book directly from God given to people as a rule book on how to live their life so that they can draw closer to God and have salvation eternal. That's, that's pretty summed up on the way that most mainstream Christianity is going to view it. What that looks like is that any of the authors in the Bible have been directly touched by God or God has spoke directly to them and said, this is what I want you to write. These are holy scripts. These are holy texts. And um, this is directly the word of God. So that is one view of the Bible. What we're going to do today is reimagine what if that's not exactly what it is and what does that new way look like? The second way being kind of what I was just um, saying a little bit ago was that it was written a long time ago and we're going to mostly focus on culture. So there's one way of looking at the Bible, which is it's directly from God and is a rule book for our salvation. Or secondly, it's a group of stories 
written by many people over a long period of time, written to a specific people at a specific time. And then we're going to unpack why that's important and why that might be a new way, if we look and uh, pull that apart, why that might help us reimagine how to read the Bible and how to really get some good, for lack of a better term, some good stuff out of the Bible. So where did I start? I've said culture a bunch of times already. So that's where I started, by examining culture. And I came up with kind of a definition for culture. This is something that I uh, read, and I kind of came up with my own spin on it. But here, let's define culture, because I'm going to say it about a thousand times today. Culture can be defined as all the ways of life, including arts, beliefs, and institutions of a population that are passed down from generation to generation. Culture is the way of life for an entire society, such as it includes codes of manners, dress, language, religion, rituals, arts, and stories. And so, as I said before, the Bible was written to the Hebrew people about 2,500 years ago, and it's really important, as we pull this apart today, to understand that those people at that time had their own stories, they had their own customs, they had their own language, and they had their own way of life that is very different than ours today. Okay, so follow me. I'm going to kind of go down a road here, and we're going to come back. So why is this important? Why is culture important? Why are we even talking about culture? Mike, I thought we were talking about reimagining how we read the Bible. Here's why it's really important. Culture can be broken down into culture, context, and translation. Those three things are extremely important if we are going to try to read the Bible in a different light. Why is that important? So, we have to understand that we are not Hebrew. And well, actually, I don't know that. Some people here might be. But we do not speak Hebrew, and we did not live 2,500 years ago on the other side of the world. That is important, and it's really hard for us as Americans to understand that because by our definition of our culture, it is embedded kind of in our subconscious. We don't, we're not always thinking this, but that we are the center of the world. That's a very easy thought that we catch ourselves. We are thinking that we're on top, that we're the center, that everybody speaks English, that that's kind of the way that it goes. Now, when you sit and have a conversation with somebody, obviously that's not what comes up. You can say, oh, no, I know that people speak a different language and they do different things on the other side of the world. But because our country is so big and so dominant, it's really easy to forget that in our, in our everyday thinking. So we need to first start there to acknowledge that the Bible was written at a different time, a different place to a different people with a different culture, a different way of doing life. Here's why that's important. If we are looking and reading the Bible and the stories in the Bible through the lens that we have and interpret the Bible through that, we might completely miss the point. So it gets really dangerous. First thing we're going to talk about here is, um, or not first thing, but the other side we talked about over here, we'll pretend this is that old way that we're deconstructing, is that is a very literal way of reading the Bible, that the Bible was given directly from God to people to write down to be taken literally as a rule book. Well, here's why that's dangerous. Because if we're taking the Bible literally, we are under the assumption that we know exactly the stories that are being told, the context of those stories, and we understand the translation. The Bible, believe it or not, was not written in English. Surprise. It was written in Hebrew and in Greek. We, uh, most of us don't speak Hebrew or Greek. So therefore, 
it can be really difficult and really dangerous to start to translate unless we understand exactly what the Bible is getting at. So let me give you an example. If we are taking one verse, if we are over here, this is our way of thinking, right? This is, this is what we're kind of trying to deconstruct. If we are in this realm over here and saying, this is the word of God, this is, this is directly divine, and I have to follow this to a T. If we are taking certain verses, what we do over here then is we can now take certain verses and say, this is directly from God, so I'm going to defend this to the death. Problem with that is what if that's not actually what was meant to be said? So we're taking it literally. Well, why is that dangerous? Because in my example, you take one verse. I did, the, actually, I'm going to share this story once. Is um, I had a friend. This is a few years ago. Shoot, probably, oh man, I'm getting old. It was not a few years ago. It was like five or six years ago. And this person was just kind of distraught. We were sitting there having a conversation. They're like, man, I just really can't believe that my brother is going to go to hell. Like, I just, like, I can't sleep this week. Like, it's really, really bothering me. So I asked them, I said, why? I mean, your brother's a really good guy. I know this guy. Like, he's been to church in the past. Like, what makes you think that his, that his soul is damned? And she said, because in Hebrews, I'm just going to make this up. It was like Hebrews 8 or something like that. Um, it says that if you have heard the truth of God, and I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember exactly. I'm just coming up with this off the top of my head right now. It um, paraphrased Hebrews 8, whatever, says that if you have seen the truth of God but decide to turn the other way, that your soul is eternally damned, something to that extent, right? Uh, and so her perception was, hey, her brother has gone to church. He has seen the truth of God. This is her interpretation of that verse. Well, my brother has gone to church because that what it, that's what it means to see the light of God because that's what it says in the Bible. So he has seen the light of God. He has turned away, and her perception, turning away was not going to church anymore. And so therefore now he's eternally damned to hell. And so just as an exercise, I said, okay, that's interesting. So let's break this down. Why do you think that way? Well, because the Bible says it. Okay, who wrote Hebrews? She's like, I don't know. It's like, wait a minute. Okay, so you don't know who wrote Hebrews. Um, what is the literal translation of what that meant? Like, what did that actually mean in Hebrew, and what was the context of that verse, and who was it being said to? And she was like, uh, I don't actually know that either. I was like, well, I don't either, but it doesn't really make a lot of sense in the overall scheme of the theme of the Bible, which is God wants to connect to us to him and to other people and do that lovingly. So I was like, it doesn't really make sense because that just, that doesn't sound loving to me. That sounds like because your brother didn't go to church, now he has to go to hell. That doesn't line up with the overall narrative that the Bible is trying to say. So maybe we could do some research and figure out what that was. This is weird because I actually didn't know this at the time, but nobody knows who wrote Hebrews. It's, it's guessed at who might have wrote Hebrews, but nobody actually really knows. And it was so fun because as I read that, the culture, the culture and context and translation of that verse was something completely different. It was talking about not actually really believers, but there were some people at that time. Oh, uh, the word is maybe apostasy, I think is what it is, um, where it was like at that time there was a church going on and there were people within that church that left that church and were 
and this was a story that if the, the author, when they wrote this, they assumed that you knew this because you were in their culture at their time understanding this translation. They were assuming that you knew what was going on because it was this big thing that there was a church or like a group of churches, something like that, that was going on where there were people leaving this church and, and the people within the church were trying to do good things, but there were people leaving this church and like actively sabotaging this church and actively like speaking out against this church and like making up lies and things like that, trying to just for what, for really kind of no, no other reason. And so now <laughs> if we, so this is a prime example of, okay, the Bible, when this person, this friend of mine, read it through their context of what they know and they understand now, meant something completely different than the author was actually trying to m make it sound like. Also, this wasn't even like uh, something di divine directly from God to somebody, because we don't even know who wrote it. It was just a book written. Um, uh, well, I'll let Chris tell you all about why Hebrews was written and how it was. But this is just an example, right? So um, I'm kind of sidetracking here. So culture and context is really important because we can really um, screw up our translation. So if we're looking at that, if we're looking at um, the context of the translation, what can we do? How can we reimagine? So kind of to start here, one place is that when we are reading the Bible, it's, I really think that it's important and that we kind of have a responsibility and an obligation that if we are going to stand really strong on like a rock, I'll just say, so that's just the easy way to say it. Like we're going to stand on this rock and preach our way and say, hey, I am standing behind this verse 100%. Like my friend was saying like my brother is going to hell and I'm going to like, and this is, I'm losing sleep over this. If we are going to stand and preach and stand on that rock and say this is the way that, 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 it, that it is, I think we kind of have a responsibility and an obligation to really know the context of what we're talking about. And it's really good to understand translation and culture and stories because it is different than ours. So that's one thing. Now, Mike, what you're saying here is you're saying every single time I read the Bible, every single verse, I have to understand culture and context, and I can't get anything out of the Bible without, without, uh, without being, you know, uh, somebody that's Hebrew living 2,000 years ago. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying there's a lot of great that we can get out of the Bible if we're looking at the themes and we're seeing what God is really giving to us. But what I am saying is we need to be really careful. We need to reimagine the way that we read the Bible because if we are going to stand really solid and really firm on one point and we're missing that point, we are really going to end up hurting some people because we are convinced that this is the truth from God and it could actually not really be that at all. And where that's damaging to us, not only to other people, but as we're reading the Bible and we're going through, we're starting to form some false narratives of who God really is and who God intended to be because we're reading it through the wrong context and through the wrong translation and, say, and starting to form these ideas, which this idea over here, that's how this idea got here. It becomes solidified in our head that this is a rule book. This was passed down directly from God. And if I don't follow it like this, I'm going to hell, or I'm bad, or I need to judge other people and tell them they're going to hell. So now, not only are you hurting other people, but you're damaging your own brain, and you're feeling guilty. You're feeling down. You're not able to experience God. You're not able to experience love for other people like God intended for us. You are really missing out on the big picture, the overall picture, which we talked about, which is 
God has life for us. God wants to do life with us fully and with other people. So we're missing out because we're so stuck in this. So this next part is going to be kind of challenging. Uh, and it's actually, hmm. I do a lot of talking about culture, obviously, and uh, I've done a lot of talking about uh, like racial inclusion and inclusion in general. So this one is going to be a little bit difficult, but bear with me because I'm not saying we're all bad. It's going to sound like that, but I promise I'll come back around to it. We need to, if we're going to do this and we're going to reimagine the way we read the Bible through a cultural context, not only do we need to pay mind to the culture and the people and the language that the Bible was written in, but we also have to examine the culture, the language, the people that we are in the lens that we're viewing the Bible through. So I'm going to pull that apart a little bit here too. So why is this difficult for us to do? Even as I say that, even as I've been talking today, there's a little, like when I was preparing this message, I was getting a little defensive and I was getting a little bit of like, wait, wait, here's why it's difficult. Because our culture by nature does that. Here's why. Let me explain a little bit about how culture works. I talked about how it's a, culture is a way of life and it's stories and a way of life that's passed down from generation to generation. So logically, let's go back to where our culture began. Our culture began when this country was founded. And if you do a little bit of research, <laughs> the country was founded by, this is very broad, but the point is still the same. Our country was founded by a bunch of rich landowning people that didn't want to pay taxes, <laughs> and didn't want to be told what to do by the British government. So they said, let's pack up and let's leave and let's go. We don't want to be told what to do. We're first, we're most important. We want to make our own life. We want to have freedom. Now, that's a little bit different than the narrative, the stories that I heard in history class growing up. In history class, I was led to believe that this country was founded because we were being oppressed and that people were being oppressed and people were being treated unfairly. So they came to escape tyranny to come to this beautiful land where they could be whoever they wanted. It's actually quite incorrect. It, it gets you to start to believe that like we, were, like we were enslaved and enslaved people that were freeing injustice and cruelty and tyranny. No, you do a little research. It's like, no, there was, it wasn't really that at all. The tyranny and the injustice was that they had to pay taxes, that they had to be normal people in society and that they couldn't keep all this money that they were, that they were um, saving. So let's go back. So these people flee over here, and they come to this land, and they say, hey, we're not following, we're not following uh, the government anymore. We're doing this ourselves. We're the best. Oh, by the way, natives, this is our land. You're on our land. We're number one. We're in charge. Now we're going to start. We're the best. And then that is perpetuated even more when they win the war against the very people that tried to come and take it back from them. Now we think we're the best because, hey, not only did we flee them, but we beat them. We are on top of the world. We are the best. We make our own rules. We took this land from people that it belonged to. We get to do whatever we want. This is a big, beautiful country. Now, fast forward to today, <laughs> our culture has perpetuated that in that way of thinking. And I'm not saying that we're all evil people, but this is just kind of the way that we are as a society. We, I kind of wrote a couple things down that made me think of this. So, for instance, there are some truths about our country which are really good, but also can be dangerous. We are the strongest, we're the richest, we're the fastest growing, we are the best technology, the best military, 
some maybe some other things that aren't so great is we are a very individualistic society. I can do this on my own. We empower people. We empower all people to do, you know, follow their dreams. All good things but can be dangerous. However, we're really defensive of this. We're really defensive of our right to, this is my right, this is my freedom, I get to do this, and I'm going to stand on this rock, and I'm going to defend it to the death, because this is what I've earned, and this is what's righteous. That has been passed down from when this country was formed. Like, we, this is ours, we can defend it. And so, uh, where I was going with this is that, again, this is our culture, this is the mentality. Sometimes this is really good. Am I saying we're all really bad people and we're terrible people because we believe this way? I'm not. When I have conversations, I've traveled abroad quite a bit. <laughs> and every country I've gone to is the same thing. Yeah, you Americans think you're better than everybody else. And my answer in my younger years was, because we are. Shoot, like, are you guys kidding me? Like, this country sucks. Like, look, you guys don't even have this. You guys don't even have that. I can do all this over there. Now do you see the arrogance? Um, but but in, in, in little ways, we do. We do think we're better because in some ways we are better. But because we're better in certain ways than the rest of the world or we have better ways of thinking or better technology, does that make us right? It doesn't. Does it make us better in some ways? It does. And does that make us better people? It doesn't. So these are some distinctions. Now, now, again, am I saying that we're all terrible people? I'm not. Like, we are actually a really awesome country that does a lot of awesome things for the world. We do a lot of hurtful things as well. But we are beautiful people here. We really are. But here is the key. As beautiful people, as people that succeed and do amazing and awesome things, we, that does not mean we are free of perpetuating undertones of a culture that, that are me first, that... It, those things aren't mutually exclusive, and a lot of times we think they are. We think if we're a good person, that no matter what we do is out of good intention, that no matter the result, that it's good. That's not true. Some of really bad things can happen out of the best intentions. As a person, I've done that. I've really hurt some people in my life having the best intentions, trying to do the right thing trying to be a good man, trying to be honest, but I did it in the wrong way or I did it because I wasn't fully paying attention to what I'm doing and I really have hurt some people doing that. So looking at our own culture is a really important thing to do. Looking at where recognizing, and, and again, this is just a snapshot. I'm really inviting you guys to look a little bit more into our culture. What does make us Ameri American? What, what does our culture look like? What do we perpetuate in good and in a bad way? Because when we can do that, when we can see this is the way that I view the world, this is what it means to be an American, here is the culture that I am, and then I look and I've done some research over here and I'm saying, hey, here are the Hebrew people, here are their stories, here are their translations, we can see how different they are, but then we can start to bridge that gap and we can start to reimagine the way we read the Bible. And we can say, oh, these people did it this way. This is what it looks like. This is what the Bible is saying. And I can take the culture that I have now and start to fulfill that a little bit better, drawing myself closer to a better relationship with God. And, it, and it's really, really important to do. And it's really challenging. And I'm telling you, from right now you're hearing this, and maybe there are some ideas that spark your interest, but really, it's really difficult for us to do because we don't want to be told we're wrong. We don't want to be told we're different. We kind of think that, that we've been right this whole time. Um, and that's really, really tough for us to do. So 
where, where are we at and how do we pull all of this together is how do we reimagine the Bible? How do we look at it differently? If we can start to show some appreciation and respect for where we are, who we are, and the way that the Bible was written, it starts to give us this freedom to, to, to really ask any question and not feel free of damnation. We can start to see one, and this is just my personal experience. I want you guys to go check this out. When I have dug in and I've listened to some great podcasts, read some great books on what the themes of the Bible are, what the Bible is really getting at, what the, what the, um, I almost said what the prophets, what the gospels are really about, what the Old Testament is really about. And, oh, this is the way that their culture did things. Oh, this is the way. Oh, man, my mind has started to open up big time. Chris talks about this stuff a lot, too. Chris is studying a lot of the same stuff professionally. I just do it for fun. Um, But you start to realize, wow, God is so much bigger than I ever imagined, than I ever, and you start to feel a little silly because it's like I put God in this tiny little box, and I said, God said this, and these are the rules, but now if I step back and I start to do this digging, I start to say, oh man, God really does love everybody. Oh, I don't have to tell these people they're wrong for their sexual identity or their gender identity or the way that or the or their spiritual identity, the way that they believe. You start to realize, oh shoot. Like God in the Bible and what Jesus is saying is actually like like we are all one. We are all love. And it's just and it kind of reimagines the way that you read the Bible. So as you leave here today, there's a couple ways to reimagine the way that you read the Bible. The first one being the way that you read the Bible. Reading it in a way of this, everything that I read in the Bible should inspire me to love God more and love people more. By loving people, we're loving God. It says that in the Bible. It says that in a lot of other cultures and religions too, that we are God. God is us. God is in all. So by loving other people, we are loving God. By loving God, we are loving people. So if you read, can read the Bible through that context, this should inspire me to love people and love God more. Now I can read it free of all these rules. If it doesn't line up, and, and this is where the, like I said before, but I'll repeat it, is if, if we're going through the Bible and we're reading it under that lens, that, that this is what it's supposed to lead me to, and we come up against something that's like, ooh, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel loving to other people. That is a really good time to dig in Look up that verse, look up maybe translation, look up context, do a quick Google search and see what does this actually mean? And as much as I've done that, almost every single time, the answer has been something that I didn't think it was because I was looking at it through my cultural context. When I looked at it through another cultural context, I'm like, oh, it does actually line up. Here's what God actually was saying. It is drawing these people or it is a story about drawing people closer to God and closer to others. So that's the first thing, right? Um, in the way that we can reimagine reading the Bible, that we can read it through that. The second being is we can read it understanding that we are a certain people at a certain time and it was written to a certain people at a certain time. That's another way we can reimagine reading the Bible. So where I close is thinking about this. What if we could read the Bible not as the answer, but as one answer among many? One cultural way to connect to God. What if we could examine our cultural, our culture and realize most other cultures and religions strive to do the exact same thing that we do, to connect to their creator and to each other? 
what if God is bigger than just one story, one culture, and one time? So that is my, that is my encouragement moving on from here. I'm not, I'm not making any, like, certain truths or saying this is exactly what the Bible is saying. What I'm saying and what I'm asking is let's just open up our minds a little bit to, to exploring what the Bible actually is and the story that it could actually be. Let's reimagine the way that we can read the Bible a little bit and see if it doesn't lead us towards, like, a closer connection to God and to others. Because I'm telling you, from my experience, Chris is up here all the time, and a lot of other people in the world that are doing it have really started to reimagine what it looks like to read the Bible, have tried out a couple of these things, and have seen God in a much bigger light, have had a lot of their answers or their questions answered about where there is some discrepancy in the Bible, and it really leads to a more full life. Coming to Neighborhood is actually a pretty great way. That's why I come here is because I think Chris and Nikki and Rebecca and I, I guess I can't say for myself, I can't toot my own horn, but I think we do a really good job at doing that, of kind of deconstructing and reimagining the way that we read the Bible and do life. So uh, if there are any resources that, um, it, it, that you guys are like, hey, where did you learn this stuff? Chris and I have had a lot of cross-reference on the stuff that we've read or podcasts that we've listened to, but feel free to, I, I've got some great stuff, some great places to start on some of that. Chris and Nikki, I, I know, especially Chris does too. So as the weeks go on, if you don't think about it today or want to catch up with me sometime when I'm here, we love talking about this stuff and we love reimagining what it looks like to live a full life with God. So enjoy your days, uh, your day. I think the Packers play, the Packers probably play today, a Vikings play tomorrow. So Enjoy those games. Take care, y'all.